The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Welcome, folks, to episode 136 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on Wednesday evening, May 20th, 2009, and joining me in the virtual hangar this week is Jeb Burnside, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, Dave Higdon from Wichita, Kansas, and I am Jack Hodgson, talking to you from the home office in Dover, New Hampshire. What's happening? Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. You still in uh, New Hampshire? Still in New Hampshire. Cool. Good for you. I'm it's glad you. I'm glad you're getting some downtime. A whole week. It was just. Yeah. So uh, I leave again on Monday, on the holiday. Yeah. Things. I, you you have to leave on the holiday. I have to leave on the holiday. Yeah. I've had to do that before too. Let's see if he sings. Hang on. What would you do if I sang out of tune? <laughs> would you stand up and walk out on me? I went home with the waitress, like I always do. How was I to know she was with the Russians, too? <laughs> I just can't even begin to approach that. <laughs> she came in through the bathroom window, attracted by the silver spoon. What's going on? How are you guys? And that's just the first three of the four people living in our heads. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. right. Did you see that article? That's right. That was bizarre. Wow. That was bizarre. I saw Salon online, right? I was waiting for him or her to mention <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. You know, it was so it such was, a close it call. Like, it was, was the symbiotic or something. I don't know. The headline um, was like, you know... Uh, Oh gosh! Now you now I gotta find it. Hang on here. Let's see now. Where is this email that you sent me here? Uh, That's it. Bite bite it all. I'm opening a beer right now. The headline this is salon.com. It said uh, there are four people living in my head, and the subhead is I talk to my voices. I know what they look like, and they're starting to scare me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. I like this guy. Uh, and, well, yeah, okay. This guy's somewhat disturbed, but then... He definitely has a problem with it. Yeah. That should have been clear already. It turns out it, that this is not about us and our podcast. This is somebody else with a whole different set of voices in his head. and Which uh, is pretty disturbing in, in and of itself. In and of itself, well, that's right. I, yeah. I, I have, I have well, no here's to comment. the voices in his head, the voices in our head, and the, all you out there, the voices in your head. That's right. Happy Memorial Weekend. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get to go flying this week yet. This has just been a crazy I haven't week. either. How's the weather in where you are? It's been raining you know, it, it's off and on hard, yeah. often, um, since, I don't know, noon last Friday or something. I thought it rained every and, day down and there. And cold. And it's been it was it's much cooler than it should be this time of year. Yeah, uh, there's been a couple of fronts hanging around and this kind of thing, but this is just really bizarre. We did get a, like a oh, surprise you- frost up here. We got a, a, a frost one night a couple of days ago, and uh, but otherwise it's been very seasonable. It's nice actually. The weather had nothing to do with my not flying. It just hey, the the instant the weather channel starts running looped special reports on cold and damp in Florida with an on-location reporter bundled up in May. You know that it's cold and damp in Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you, in fact, seen that? Oh, yeah. Days ago. Today? Oh, really? Uh, I, I didn't look today, but it started showing up. Uh, I started noticing it Saturday or Sunday. You know, I always guy get standing on a, the guy standing on the beach like he's waiting for a hurricane, and he's just there to tell you that it's cold and damp in Florida, unseasonably so. You're really going to want to come here for your Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> well, if, it, if it doesn't um, change up real soon now, it's, it's going to be pretty wet this weekend. That's exactly right. Um, 
I don't know. I don't forecast, know. Forecast is for a great a great holiday weekend for us up here. As a matter of fact, and I'm going up Saturday morning to the the Ragwing Fly-In. This is like another Oh, example. good for you. Oh, cool. Yet another great. example that Sanford uh, uh, Regional Airport, uh, Southern Maine Aviation, is just like an awesome place if you're going to be flying out of because they do all these great events, and they're hosting the Ragwing Fly-In uh, combined with a pancake breakfast, which I've raved about in the past, and a uh, safety seminar at the end. So... Uh, uh, and they're probably they're going to have a flower bomb dropping, and uh, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. That'll so, be good. Going yeah, that'll be a good time. Saturday morning, and uh, and believe it or not, some people will even have heard this episode by then. So uh, I I find that hard to believe. Hey, I've been doing pretty good lately. We've been like you have a day and a half, two yeah. days lately. I, I figure, you know, I figure next time we get together, you're still buying the beer, though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm about to propose a a, a revision to our to our de- our, our beer deadline form. Well, yeah, just be careful what you propose, and remember, it's it's two against one. <laughs> Dave got a bunch of his beers at Sun and Fun. You you took off to go back to work. Uh, you know, I, you got well. One, you got. You're not always beer. around to buy me beer, so I have to make money to buy my own beer. <laughs> is when that you're what it is. <laughs> is that what yeah, it is? Uh, last stop on the way home from Samaritan's was stopping to buy tonight's beer. Ah, okay. So it, it's not only cold, it's fresh and cold. Airplanes. We're supposed to be talking about airplanes. That's uh, true. Well, you know, that we've had this item on the list for a long time now. Uh, for you're, about four, you're in the headquarter hangar. Jeb is in the, uh, uh, in the uh, Sarasota hangar, and I'm in the uh, Mid-America hangar. Of uncontrolled airspace. That's right, we, and we should make little. We should make banners that we stick up on the wall. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Did when, you ever, when we go, look at when we bar? go to vi- when we go to video, um, you will have to do that. Yet another scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> Dave would actually have to get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. That's the scariest thought of the night. I apologize. No, he, he, I'm sorry I he, said that. He, he definitely would. Is all I will have to to say on that topic. Barnstorming well, it's, movie. Barnstorming it's definitely movie. Gonna, definitely going to change how often I take off my shirt. I, barnstorming movie. There was this barnstorming movie that Dave called our attention to about like uh, two, almost two months ago. Uh, yeah. It's it's yet another uh, uh, you know sort of homegrown movie that uh, some folks are producing. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you ever had a chance to look at the the, uh, the trailer. It looks really cool. It's uh, it's sort yeah, of a it semi documentary. It's this. Uh, apparently, the story is that uh, a couple of pilots were buzzing around the Midwest. I forget where 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 it is, Illinois or something like that. Um, uh, ten years ago in 1999, and they saw a cool field and they said, "Let's land in that field." And uh, so they did. And uh, turns out that it was some obviously some farmer's field, and the farmer came out and greeted them, and uh, and and apparently at first they said, oh, we ran out of gas, so we had to land, all right. And then and then there's a there's a quote from the farmer who says that that after they realized that I wasn't upset and I kind of liked the idea, they told me the truth, which was they didn't run out of gas, they just wanted to land. Uh-huh. So they did, and then in kind of chatting, between, you know, while they were visiting, they, the farmer said, come on back next year. And the pod said, okay, we will. And they did. And they've been coming back every year, apparently, and it gets bigger and bigger every year. And they get, apparently, have, have accumulated quite a little impromptu fly-in that, that happens on this huh. field. Is this, uh, this is all biplanes? Or, um, no, but it appears to be, you know, tail-dagger-ish, tail-dragger-ish, uh-huh. rag-wing-ish kind of thing. Golden, golden age hardware. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Some cool-looking okay. airplanes. Um, and uh, um, it, it looks like a lot of fun. There, there is actually one shot in this in this trailer that they published that scares the crap out of me. But generally, it looks like a lot of fun. There's one shot. What's the shot? Um, so the neighbors are like loving this apparently, and they all bring out their lawn chairs and they sit by the edge of the field and watch the airplanes do flybys and land and take off and so forth and so on. And there's one shot that's supposed to portray the joy of these airplanes arriving in the field, uh, and it shows a whole like crowd of kids running out onto the grass as an airplane taxis in. And I keep looking at this going, oh, crap, that looks scary. These airplanes, these little kids <laughs> don't know about propellers. I don't know if I like this idea, you know. And uh, and, I, and I go back and forth saying, well, I don't want there to be a fence, but maybe there needs to be a fence. But I don't want there to be a fence, but maybe there needs to be a fence. Uh, but, uh, but all in all, I'm sure that was just sort of a very isolated incident. It looks like a really cool event and, and activity. And, uh, and, and the locals are just really embracing the visiting airplanes. It's cool. Cool. Yeah, and what's what what really uh, what really impresses me is is in an age when really innocent, spontaneous stuff like this. I mean, 
spontaneous in the, in the sense that this isn't a grand event. Uh, sometimes the, the idea comes along that it should be a grand event, which kind of spells the end of it. Right. When you go in that direction. Yeah. And it's nice to see that, uh, that, uh, that's not the case here. Uh, at least not over the 10 years uh, since they first did this. And I hope that the uh, film does great for the guys that made it and doesn't do anything to change the event. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. uh, Have you guys ever landed in a field intentionally, like just some random field? Yeah. You have? Oh, ultralights, but in in, in, uh, 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 (laughs) certificated airplanes or you know what I mean? I didn't want to say real airplanes. Yeah. You have. Just for the fun of it, you said, let's land in that field. Uh, it was designated as a legal landing area. Oh, uh, okay. But that's why we went there, was because it was just for the fun of it. Uh, what made it a legal landing area was that they put up a windsock and four cones to mark the four corners of it. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it was indistinguishable. It is indistinguishable, basically, from the, the prairie on either side of it. It's just that. Yeah. It's just a smooth patch of prairie. And I've dropped into a couple of other places that uh, wasn't the first to land there that weren't really designated as airports, but from which uh, light airplanes infrequently visited to say hello to the people that live there. Uh, so, you know, kind of like I'd never dropped into somebody's field without having a relationship with them right. or knowing that it was acceptable right. to do so. Right. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of, you know what we're close to? We're close to so and so's place, yeah. Well, yeah. He, you know, he lets people, you know, drop in. You get a soda, say hello, and cool. Let's go check it out. And it was uh, more like an old style aerodrome, in that over on one corner of the field was an old house and an old barn and an old hangar. It's an abandoned airport of such. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And. There was no designated runway direction. It was all mowed equally, and there were three wind socks up, and you pretty much landed in whichever direction you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And you had about the same 27, 2,800 feet side to side and top to bottom, and a little bit more corner to corner. So mm-hmm. you could always land into the wind. Yeah. The, the reason I ask is I, I've started rereading um, one of the early Richard Bach uh, books. Richard Bach, of course, is the uh-huh. Jonathan Livingston Seagull guy um, who also wrote a lot of books about uh, just flying. And uh, and he clearly yeah. is passionate about flying. He, he's a little bit of a character, if you ask me, but he <laughs> definitely is passionate about aviation um, and wrote a number of books and short stories talking about his, his view of the, the joy of, of flight. And that's pretty cool. Um, so this one, it, it's called Biplane. Um, it tells the story of uh, uh, back in the 60s, like this is 1964, and uh, he bought a uh, an antique uh, biplane uh, in on the East Coast, and he was ferrying it back, or flying it back across the country to, at the time, he was living in California. And so the book is all his adventures flying across the country. And from the very beginning, it just kind of struck me that he was like, I mean, he was going from airport to airport occasionally, but sometimes he'd just be flying along and say, okay, it's time to, you know, it's getting dark. I got to land and spread out my sleeping bag. And so he looked for a field and he just kind of circled in and landed in the field. And I thought, well, wow, you just don't get away with that these days, I don't think. Or or do you? I don't know. Um it's just well. It, I mean, it's a, definitely a, a whole barnstorming thing, you know. That was that's the that's the tradition, that's the legend, that's the history of this, is mm-hmm. that, you know. But I, I wonder if you could get away with that these days, you know. Or you still could in some areas of the country, I would guess. Yeah. Um, it depends on how you handled it. Um, depends on uh, you know how prepared you were to just pick up stakes and go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be trying it in too many locations east of the Mississippi. Just because it's more densely built up? Yeah, yeah. What's the legality of it? Um, there's nothing There's nothing in the FARs that say you have to land and take off from an approved runway. Right. And uh, you, may, you, may have some, you may have some issues locally, according to... Well, exactly right. You may zoning have some laws, local- trespassing laws... Uh, well, what's your Out in a lot of counties, to... it's not going to be anything. But yeah, you know, if you land on public property, you know, you might have a whole different set of problems. 
uh, as opposed to landing on private property. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, your insurance may want to have a chat at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone really blows a gasket, uh, the FAA may want to have a chat. Yeah. Um, it, it's not the smartest. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it all depends. Okay. If, if I'm in a cub and I'm going across Nebraska and there's, you know, two miles of meadow next to a farmhouse, I wouldn't hesitate. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, you know, in a bonanza, there was a gas pump out back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a bonanza, um, plopping down beside the interstate or something like that in South Carolina, that probably wouldn't work out too well. <laughs> Uh-huh. There, there used to be this triangle that some of my ultralight friends and I drove, uh, flew in ultralights. Uh, sometimes it was a triangle. Sometimes it was kind of a, a, a square, a trapezoid, more you, like. You mean a, a root, a root that was shaped like a triangle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was three, three points or four points on the on the uh, on the trip, and the, one of the common points to both of those <laughs> was a country store in uh, West Virginia. Where they had a big open field in the back, and uh, we were free to touch down there, and we'd pull the tanks off of our little ultralights, quicksilvers, and drifters, and such, and walk over to the to the country store and go in and buy a soda and a moon pie, or you know, bologna sandwich sliced off of a big hunk, and uh, go out and dump the two cycle mix in the gas tank, put five gallons in it. Pay up, finish our moon pie and soda or whatever, and uh, load up the airplanes, fire up, and continue on the trip. Yeah. It was wonderful. Uh, it used to be a place south of Lakeland where we'd do a fly-out for breakfast out of the ultralight area uh, years ago. Same deal there. They had a big, vacant pasture across the road, and we landed in that pasture. Uh, had permission. Everybody was cool. It wasn't a runway the rest of the year. David, do you get to fly ultralights much these days? Uh, once in a once in a while. Uh, usually, I get a little time at Sun and Fun, and a couple of the smaller events around here. And I'm going to poke my nose in and see if I can't make that happen this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know where there's a a fairly late model Quicksilver with you know the double surface wing and real ailerons and all that stuff. The one seater still- or the two seater. Yeah, single seat. The single seater, yeah. Yeah. Single seat. I'm still waiting for uh, my ultralight ride. I'm being patient. I'm going to have to be more proactive and make this happen. Because uh, it looks like. Yeah, I suggested to you uh, start being a little more inquisitive and dangling the opportunity of a mutually beneficial flight to somebody down in the ultralight area. It, uh, 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 an event coming up this yeah. summer. I, I, I need yeah. I, I need to start channeling Steve Tupper is what I need to do. I need to. That's that's right. Or, or you know have him take you under his wing or something. That's right. I've heard more about the story here. Apparently he didn't buy the duel uh, in this Texan two. Um, he actually wrangled a media flight. He went through oh, good all, for him. all the 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 uh, you know jumped through all the hoops and wrote the proposals and made the requests and and got down on his knees apparently you know and, <laughs> uh, and got himself got himself a no charge media flight down in uh, San Antonio and uh, so which which airplane? This is the uh, the 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 Texan two that we talked about last episode. Oh, the, gotcha. the single engine okay. turboprop. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, he got yeah. that through the Air Force. Through the Air Force, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, so he's working the system. He's very upfront about it. He says that's half the reason that I became a podcaster was because I wanted rides. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he wanted media legitimacy. Was, as yeah. thin as we all are in that area, it, if it works, who's going to quibble? Uh, and you know, and apparently he's getting a lot of media exposure for these outfits. You know, so so it's what, it's, what do I need to sign? I mean, you know, I, I'm happy to, exactly, to participate. Exactly. We have we just have to go out and sell it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else is going on? It, work, work, work. Yeah. Rain, rain, rain. So you aren't flying very much, uh, No. Got a I'm fun piece out. of mail I, I, this I, I week. got to get up to Georgia. I got to get up to Georgia. So I'll uh, come, come hell or high water, literally. Um, I'll be up there by <laughs> uh, Monday or Tuesday. This is the family house. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a, been, that, that's, that's a Devon Air trip. Yeah, that's an easy trip. Yeah, you're not taking the Quicksilver up yeah. there. I'm not taking a Quicksilver. No, nor would I. Well, I might if I had one. 
I was going to say, you did that motorcycle ride along, what was it, Skyline Drive, Blue Ridge Parkway, something like that? Blue Ridge Parkway. Blue Ridge Parkway. Uh, You know, doing a long cross-country ultralights over, you know, some kind of scenic Uh route like that, it's really not that different than a motorcycle ride uh, over the same kind of terrain. You just don't have as many pull-offs for rest stops when you fly. Yeah, that's true. But That's true. Oh, no, never mind. It's more of a production to to stop. Yeah. Uh, David, you got mail. I'm sorry. You said you got some mail. Yeah, I got some mail from uh, uh, the uh, nice folks that put together the Air Venture 2009 NOTAM. Oh yeah, which I, I got mine the too. FAA and the DOT, and uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> they you know got spot color on the cover, and you know, they've gotten better and better. The back cover has all the frequencies all broken down by area and you mean right there someone for you. Actually, you don't have to hunt through anything. Someone actually designed this? So, uh, that, you know, from the looks a, of it. Such a revelation from, from previous. But, yeah. but no, I've got mine right there. Is it, it very it, it different look, than last it, year? No, it's I mean, just, production-wise, not necessarily the instructions in, the, in, in you know, data in the NOTAM, but... Uh, but uh, for D- Jeb or Dave, you said something about it fitting on a kneeboard. Now, is it a different size this year? Or is it well, it's been this size. It's been this size mm-hmm. for the last few years. Okay, but right. I don't remember when they went to this format where they show all the frequencies in different boxes on the back cover, yeah. and yeah. you can literally put this on your kneeboard as you're flying in and have all the frequencies that you're going to need for going and coming. Mm-hmm. From Oshkosh, from Appleton, Fond du Lac, uh, the telephone numbers, all right there in front of you. You don't have to leave through anything. Uh, you know, you don't have to look anywhere. It's right there in front of you. Uh, the reproduction, I think, is is has gotten yeah. It's, too. it's 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 nicely done. It's it's good paper. Um, the the printing is crisp. Uh, no issues yeah. with this at all. Yeah. Have you had a yeah, chance this to look through the, it? Are there any notable changes to the procedures? This I ha- I haven't really looked at it with that in mind. I, I I be honest with you, I got mine and I threw it in a stack of stuff to go through, and that's where I just retrieved it. Well, I um, I, I get real kick out of the Oshkosh Airport notes on page thirteen of this puppy. What's it say? Shows the two active or the three active runways actually, uh-huh. and. Uh, for uh, 1836 left right Four and 927, yeah. it shows the location of all the colored dots mm-hmm. on the runway. Uh, if they did that in the past, I didn't notice it, but that's one of those cool. I, I agree. You know, I agree with you. I've things. not. I've not seen that before. Um, certainly not in this kind of detail. And the opposite. Um, Graphic is pretty good on on twelve. Also, all these graphics are yeah. pretty good. Punch punchline uh, listeners, please. If you have any thought, uh, even you know, two years ago about going to Oshkosh, um, this is should be a good year to do it. A B. Now's a good time to go to the EAA website, airventure.org, and um, give them your your name and address, and they will send you your very very own hard copy of the Oshkosh Notum. Uh, now's a good time to do that, guys mm-hmm. and gals. Yeah, this would came in just a few My, weeks. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. there's yeah, still this time. was actually more like more like a week and a half for me. But there's still plenty of time. It's it's worth uh, the thirty seconds of your time it'll take, and uh, you never know when you might need it. Yeah. Now I can but, uh, five. You, you can get this online and print it out yourself. Absolutely, <laughs> but I tell you what, guys, they really did a nice job. Uh, uh, this is no work for you. And it's already kneeboard size. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, you know, uh, freebie is nice. And they got pretty pink shirts on the controllers on the front <laughs> cover. I count five active runways at AirVenture. One of, one of those controllers looks a lot like Rick Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> the guy now, basically now top to center. Now I have the, to go look here and see if I can find the, it. The guy who's basically top center of the, of the image yeah, on the cover. Yeah. It looks like a lot like Rick Reynolds. <laughs> I think he's a little heavier than Rick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love you, Rick. 
We love you. Yeah, Rick. you're right. You're, you're right, Jack. I mean, there, there are three active runways or three active pieces of pavement for arrivals and departures. Uh, but then you've got an ultralight runway, and you've got the uh, uh, one over by the museum, Pioneer Airport, uh, grass runway that runs kind of diagonal to 927 and 1836. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, it's a busy chunk of airspace. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, those procedures they've come up with over the years to keep them all separated and safe, and, uh, and uh, it really works well. Um, even when it gets crazy, it works well. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some yeah, nut- I mean, nutty things I've going seen, on in we've, arrivals we've, there. We've all seen, yeah, we've all seen some nutty things. We've all seen some fender benders. Um, yeah, it's a busy place. And I you told have you to my favorite, my favorite arrive Oshkosh arrival uh, nuttiness story had to do with the Concord. Was when yeah. uh, one, oh, yeah. one of the one of the fi- last years at the Concord was there um, was visiting uh, Air Venture, and and as they did many of the years, they were selling rides on the Concord. So throughout the day, uh, the Concord would take off and disappear for a half forty five minutes or whatever, and then return. And it was really you know and those of us who couldn't afford a ride were just was cool to see it take off and land each time. Right. So one particular right. afternoon, and it must have been late afternoon, it must have been after the air show. Um, so the uh, the Concord took off. Off, and it went off to do its flight, and we sort of forgot about it for a while, all right? And then they started arrivals again, and it was a busy arrival day. There were a lot of airplanes arriving, and they were all arriving. They were primarily using um, the southbound runway, um, uh, 1-8, all right? So they were coming in, um, you know, from from the uh, the Rip and Fisk arrival and going along right. the north edge of the field and then making a right turn onto final and then coming down towards uh, and landing on, on 1-8. And... Uh, so there's a bunch of them on final, as they'll happen at Oshkosh sometimes. I mean, and that's one of the cool things to watch is that you know, they'll be like, I mean, you'll just look up final and you'll see 10 aircraft on final, all right? And it was a very cool. Oh, yeah. And everything was proceeding just like it does. You know, you had 10 airplanes on final and everything was fine. So now this is all happening, 10 airplanes on final. All of a sudden, onto the and I'm listening on the radio watching from the ground. All of a sudden, onto the frequency, we hear um, – the Concord calls in, and he says, Concord is 10 miles to the north, all right? And he's basically on a long final for 1-8. Right. right. And, and you could just, that you, could, you could almost sense that the controllers all just kind of froze for a half a second, for a quarter of a second. They all go, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, crap, you know? And they basically, they basically went on to the frequency, and they said, all the aircraft on final for 1-8, everybody turn left or right and get out of here. You know, go off to the, to the, to the east and west right now and hold. Right, and we'll call you back in. And I'm telling you, it was like it was like uh, you know these scenes from a from a World War II uh, you know fighter movie, <laughs> right? You know, where the airplanes are all flying in formation, and then all of a sudden go in different directions. And it's like ten air, ten, fifteen, whatever it was, twelve airplanes on final just suddenly all go different directions. And it's like because they all heard this call too, and they suddenly realize that there's a Concorde coming down their butt, you know, and they're going, yikes! <laughs> so they all took off. They keep turning around, looking behind. Them, you yeah. Know. Um, so, can you imagine how much fuel that costs to do that? Yeah. To do those rides? Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah, the oh, rides. My. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Holy. It reminded re- huh. remind me, seeing that day, I was there that year, and it got a little flashback to flying into Orlando Executive the first time in our little Cherokee 140 that honestly probably would do 100 knots. So. Yeah. I'm on, you know, I'm on a long final because they got me in a conga line, and the tower I get handed off tower, and tower says eh, three November. Uh, any chance you could maintain 120 knots to the runway? And yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, can I, you know, can I keep this descent rate to the runway? It's like, sure. So we just kept it in a uh, just short of red line dive all the way to the runway threshold. Uh, we had 7,000 and change to touch down on. We'd cross the intersecting runway before we even touched down. And <laughs> the tires on that airplane had never gone that fast before. And I had I had them balanced when I got home. I, I understand. I shake the airplane apart. I understand. Yeah. Understand. All because of a falcon. Because he was coming down your butt and you had to get, yeah, had one, to get on one, one measly falcon. That's right. I'm looking for a, a measly falcon, a falcon 20. Yeah. There was an interesting loud. post. This, Dave, you just made me think of this interesting post in the forums this past 
few days. Um, I think this is the one here. Um, this is from Noah Carroll, uh, listener Noah Carroll in the in the uh, uh, in the forums, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to try and paraphrase it without rereading it, so I'm probably going to get something wrong. The thing I found interesting is he was talking about Best Glide, and this is a conversation I know Dave has been involved in too. And they're talking about Best Glide speed versus the different flavors of Best Glide, Best Distance, Best Speed, Best Ground. You know, there's all these different things. Dave can t- tell us. Well, there's only one. There's only one Best Glide. Right, but then there's but then there, there's another. David, what are we talking about? For a given white, there's only one best glide. you got a best glide speed. Everything does. Uh, then you've got a minimum sink speed. That's what I'm thinking of, right. Everything does. And you've got a maximum penetration speed, which is uh, higher than uh, best glide. And uh, you're, you're, you're going to make time better. Your distance is going to deteriorate. Up. Back up. You say there's a minimum sink speed? Yeah. Show me where the minimum sink speed is in the in the POH for my airplane. Uh, you'll have to figure that out. Well, it's not, that's, you know, that's kind of that my point. Gets, that stuff gets published for sailplanes. Yeah, and, and, and even hang gliders. Right, and that's what Noah Carroll is talking about. He's talking about how this stuff applies to uh, to sailplanes. And the thing okay, I found sail, interesting, sailplanes sail that's a whole, di- whole applies, different issues. Sailplanes whole different issues. airplanes. It also well, applies it, to GA airplanes. It, it may it may apply, but um, I don't know that it's better than the best glide rate, glide speed for the given weight. Now, there's there's tailwind headwind situations in which, as a practical matter, um, you might be better off accelerating from best glide, or decelerating <coughs> slightly from from best glide. Um, but you know, for, for at least for a for an airplane intended to be powered, there's not really any published uh, minimum sink speed. Well, that's the. You see, now you're getting into the nuances of how to use what, but right. knowing what those are, and knowing the effect on the airplane, is 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 where this gains importance, because when you put that knowledge together with the circumstances you're in, tailwind, headwind. Uh, you can learn how pretty quickly to decide that best glide speed's really not what I want now. I don't want right. to go that far. Yeah. I don't want to go that far. I want to make well, a turn here and kill off a lot of altitude. Well, what I want what I want to sink where it brings me down yeah. at the lowest descent rate because that's what's going to get me in the field. Anything else is going to get me in the trees. What what I want to do is I want to have an excess of altitude to get myself to my key point, uh, wherever. Good luck, good luck I, with that. Well, seriously, that's what I want. I want. I want. You know, whatever key point I'm going to use. Okay, and, and it may be something that has to be right under me. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I want to. I want to shoot. Be able well, to I shoot an what, approach uh, to, to my saying. desired runway, and if I can glide to that point and then circle as I descend, um, that's great. No issues. I'll circle at best glide, or, or or maybe slightly faster, depending. But if if, uh, if I've got a circle, once, I'm gonna I, once do I get it. to the yeah, once I get to my key point, then I'm committed, and uh, that's where I'm going. And and even then, the the uh, nuances of how fast you're coming down, which way you're lined up, and how many turns you got to make to get to ground effect come into play on whether you want to use best glide or best sink or maximum penetration maybe. Mm -hmm. Maximum penetration will build you up a lot of energy and bring you down like a bat out of hell compared to minimum sink or even best glide. Uh, So if you need to stretch things a little bit for that final couple of hundred yards, a little excess speed can be uh, really wonderful. Remind me to to show you um, how nicely a bonanza can come down uh, <laughs> with everything thrown out. Sometimes the thing. That- oh, I, I've, I've done that with I've done yeah. that with the factory pilots. Uh, yeah. It's it's outrageous. Oh yeah, it's four thousand foot per minute down. Yeah, yeah, and I learned how to do that in in Air Comanche uh, because my cruise speed, uh, my best cruise speed. 
best efficiency, best power, absolute maximum I'm going to squeeze out of it was only about 11 miles an hour faster than the gear extension speed. Right, right. You know, so all I had to do was come off full throttle or whatever my throttle setting was, uh, you know, inch and a half of manifold pressure, two inches of manifold pressure. Puppy slows down, then boom, the wheels go out. I didn't like to do it that fast if I didn't have to. But I could throw those puppies out, and in another 25 miles an hour, which was about how much drag they created at that power setting, boom, you can get flaps out. Mm-hmm. You can go all the way to you know the last notch of flaps, and then it's like you drug a boat anchor out behind you. Mm-hmm. You know, a little girl would come down at 26, 2700 feet a minute, look dangerously steep, but still have enough momentum to uh, to uh, transition to a flare. Now, I don't know if, um, if that's related to this, but this is this is the part from Noah Carroll's post that I found kind of interesting. Um, and he's talking about um, gliders, uh, landing gliders, uh, which obviously you're, you're always doing something like, you know, best glide is always an issue. Um, and I'm going to read part of this here. He says, when it comes time to land, approaching at a speed a bit lower than best glide does a couple of things for us. And I won't, I'll skip over the first one because it's the second one that I found particularly interesting. He says, the other thing that lower speed provides is what I consider to be probably more important of the two. As we slow down below best glide, any decrease in speed causes an increase in drag as angle of attack increases the induced drag increases that increase in drag is important as we raise the nose for landing and increase the angle of attack the drag is constantly increasing which helps to keep quickly lose speed and use as little runway as possible the problem with approaching at a speed above best glide is that as you round out and flare for landing, the drag decreases momentarily as you slow from a speed a few knots above best glide down to best glide. So at, at the time when you're trying to slow the airplane down to land, you experience a decrease in drag and the airplane seems to refuse to slow down and you just float down the runway, wasting precious one runway on which to land. There, there's and, a constant in this and it's called ground effect. I was just going to say, to which I would add ground effect. Go ahead. Well, the, you know, ground effect, you get ground effect no matter what uh, until you're below stall speed. Uh, ground effect improves the efficiency of the wing, reduces the drag, and you, you, you become more efficient. Your glide ratio increases at any given speed. That's why hitting the runway threshold with an excess of speed is so much more uh, – detrimental to your landing distance than getting to the threshold a little bit slower than you like Mm -hmm. because you can always carry a little extra power to cushion a hard touchdown you know to avoid that because you're carrying too much pitch angle you drag is way up your descent rate's real steep you just maintain just enough energy left there to flare and and not prying it and you're down in no time Mm -hmm. but if you move that Deficiency of speed for the most controllable touchdown, give yourself that same speed in excess of the normal landing speed. Boy, that ground effect just really gets cooking for you, man. That wing gets so bloody efficient, your uh, your glide ratio goes up by you know a, a factor of two or three. And suddenly, that extra 10 knots carries you 1,200, 1,500 feet down the runway instead of you know 75 or 100, like the normal touchdown would that applies sailplanes hang gliders uh, ultralights airplanes airliners it, it's really not it's, the sensitivity to it can be different high wing low wing sailplane wing oh, god your aspect ratio there you know you start getting into 30 and 41 to 40 to 1 you, when you get into ground effect gets really high and gets really pronounced when you come down. So, yeah, he's absolutely right. You you don't want to hit the touchdown zone carrying excess speed if you can possibly keep from yeah. it. Yeah. Where are you reading this from? What's your resource on? Uh, uh, me? On, yeah, you. I'm you, you were just reading from a posting by a listener named Noah Carroll. In oh, okay. It's on the forums. I'm sorry. Yeah, and for anybody who wants to look it up, we'll put it in the show notes. But it happens to be look for a thread called "Best Glide and Approaches," and uh, and it's part of that thread. Yeah, I kind of went over that a little bit in a post prior to uh, the really well-detailed, more technical, uh, you know, the guy gets the science down really well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have any arguments at all with what he wrote. Yeah. No. Uh, well, it's a lot of hang gliding time, a little bit of sailplane time. It, it all it rings true from my perspective. And hell, I had almost 500 hours without an engine before I ever learned what an engine could do. <laughs> before we move on here, um, I was just giving a URL for the uh, forum um, or, or how to find something in the forum. Let me go back and uh, we're going to put it in the show notes, but that barnstorming movie we talked about a little while, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the URL there uh, is uh, barnstormingmovie.com. So uh, take a look at that. Uh, sailplanes. That's, I would love to do that one of these days. I've I've ridden in a sailplane, I believe, twice. I had an opportunity to get a ride, you know, in the back seat or whatever. And, uh, it, it it will if you do enough of it. If you do enough of it to really start to wire into the nuances of it, the subtleties, uh, it will change your flying powered aircraft uh, to a degree not unlike the way becoming an instrument pilot changes your approach to flying airplane well yeah i don't think quite to the same degree and not exactly in the same areas but you start to look at things a whole lot differently and and i think get a little bit more wired into the airplane after a while i agree completely but what you just basically said is learning more about flying will make you a better pilot and i couldn't agree more you know it's, well there's it's there's true you know, that. It's, it's you know if you if you you know and and i'm i can't say from personal direct knowledge but from everything i've heard and from people and read and common sense, you know your 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 tailwheel will make you a better pilot. Instrument will make you a better pilot. Sailplane make you a better pilot. You know, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's more experiences. I'm just convinced. You know, I mean, flying with different CFIs will make you a better better pilot. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And flying a lot of different airplanes will make you a better pilot. Yeah. So it's well, it's, you know, just just flying a lot will make you a better pilot. Yeah. Yeah. That there too. you go. There you go. There, there you go. go. What else is going time, on? Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's right. That's right. It's free time. Yeah. That's right. You guys want to talk about? It. I don't. Know. I don't know. Um, Here's a silly one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we now know what the uh, the second A in FAA really stands for. This is. Uh, uh, I saw that link. Where did I see that? This is a uh, this is a bona fide U.S. senator. You know, the truth of the matter is, it wasn't the senator; it was some <laughs> senator staffer. Oh, all right, all right. You immediately, you immediately, you know, kind of undercut the punchline by citing the source, yeah. because uh, from from more and more of my observations, uh, and this is irrespective of an aisle alignment. Left aisle, right aisle. Uh, there ought to be a test. <laughs> yeah. So I'm what we're talking about here. There ought to be a test before some of these people are allowed a job that lets them determine the fate of a nation. My God, you have to take more of a test to be a babysitter and get paid. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what we're talking about here is this is we're reading from a story from aeronews.net. Uh, and then apparently, according to this story, uh, New York Democrat uh, U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand, Gillibrand. Uh, she she just a, got appointed to replace uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, okay. She wrote a letter to the NTSB acting chairman, uh, and in the letter, she referred to the Federal Airline Administration. Right. Absolutely, and her staff let her get away with that. Well, well yeah. which she which never way? saw. She never saw the letter. Yeah. Okay. I'm not um, sure it would have made a difference, but well, it may not you're have. You're being more generous than me. I'm just saying that in, in in reality, she never saw the letter go out. Some staffer, probably been out of college under two years, um, wrote it, and it went out with an auto signature on it. If in fact it was even a piece of paper, yeah. Um, out of but, college for a couple of years and, and yeah, out of yeah, government just, work now for a, a day or so. And, well, uh, no, I, I probably probably won't even raise a ripple. Um, because this is, I haven't, I haven't seen that anywhere else. There's not any great hue and cry, um, impeach the bitch or anything like that. You know, somebody's, it, it's nuts. It, it, it doesn't amount to much at all. But it's, is, isn't it indicative of just some sense that, you know, the airlines are where it's at and somebody made this mistake, you know, someone thought consciously they, they're, or unconsciously. They're in a hurry. Yeah, they're in a hurry. They're, they're trying to get out the door. They're trying to get some other work done. And they federal a i can't what's the word a and uh, airline yeah airline i'll go with that and it must that, be i mean what else is there right exactly yeah 
So uh, yeah. now this isn't the first time I've seen this dumbness. It's not first time either. You've seen this dumbness. It won't be the last. No. Uh, you know, sometimes it comes through as the Federal Aeronautical Agency. Well, uh, it's it's always been my favorite aviation agency. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's absolutely. not like we always do it right either. So. Uh. Well, and we've got we've got good friends there. Seriously. Yeah. But you who know, I, we admire greatly, and that's right. we know to be sharp, serious, it you know, genuine people, uh, genuine because there's no way in hell anybody that serious about improving aviation would have put up with the garbage staying in some of those jobs has required them to do for 30 years. I'm sorry. Not not even a government pension uh, makes people endure that kind of masochism. (laughs) I mean, I'm not suggesting that we try and get the senator or the staffer in trouble here, but I'm not sure if we should let this drop, all right? You know, it's like we should – this is – you know, don't, hey, don't I'm, let this stuff I'm, slide. I'm, I'm, right? I'm with you, man. If you if if we want to have some fun with this, I'll start collecting them. Maybe we can get the whole set. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, um, let me know how that works for yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> we apparently we apparently heard this week that the GPS system is wearing out. Now, what's the story here? Satellites uh, wear out, man. But no, well, of course they were out. But apparently the uh, whoever the air is it the air force G- GAO the air force has, is dropping the ball on well, the U.S. Uh, on air, U.S. Them. Air Force uh, is uh, is in charge of this. So yeah. So yeah, with the, one hand, the government, the federal government, is promoting GPS as the uh, next gen you know component of the future, and then the other hand is not really keeping the system up and running the way it ought to. Well, the air force isn't promoting. Uh, GPS to be used as next gen. The FAA is the one doing that. Okay. It is uh, all the, one government, right? It, 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 is, it is all one government. You get dragged kicking and screaming into it being <clears throat> as useful for civilians as right. it's become. It, uh, it, it is all one big happy government and all that. But um, <laughs> the Air Force really doesn't care what the FAA needs as long as the FAA keeps airplanes out of its way. Um, Nothing's going to happen to to GPS because the Air Force needs it too badly. Um, yeah. it, it'll it'll the get fixed. The Yeah, the entire military and the entire federal government needs it too badly because, um, you know, when when our robot masters come down, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll all have GPS tags, and um. They'll have to keep track of us somehow, so the system's never going to go down. But as we oh, discovered man, back in the on, good man. old... man, you know that they're already here. That's why our, all of our cell phones now have GPS in them. Well, there's that, too. Yeah, the, you, you know, as we, as we all know from back in our, uh, our good, the good old SA days, uh, the government doesn't need the same quality of GPS as we want. Well, that's, that's true. But they do, they, I think they kind of do, because they can't get down to the city block or... or uh, um, you know the the home or something like that uh, without SA. Well, I don't think they can do this. So it'll be on. It, you know, we not at some point we might not be able to to buy a device that will receive it. But that's a whole other issue. Selective availability cutter accuracy for those people not able to counter it down to about a hundred meters, which was wholly insufficient for any kind of you know even non precision approach work in the view of the FAA of uh, selective availability went away you know it it I'm sorry a thousand meters then it went down to a uh, hundred meters when selective availability went away then it got better because they refined the signal then we got was mm-hmm. uh, now they got this stuff uh, where as somebody pointed out in the article that you linked us to uh, you know, there are people that are using GPS to measure things down to millimeter right. degrees. Yeah. Well, I think they're the ones that are in the most trouble because I don't think anybody out there is going in the Air Force is going to let this deteriorate to the point where it's not still accurate enough for their purposes and accurate right. enough for their purposes is accurate enough for our purposes. I remember way back when this was, and this was actually probably back in the SA days. Um, there was a guy demonstrating a gadget at at uh, Oshkosh, where he was using GPS to 
uh, to generate uh, attitude information for the airplane. He actually yeah. put a uh, yeah. he put a apparently put a uh, antenna on each wingtip, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't well, based look, on pure f- location of the wingtip. It had more to do with some sort of interference yeah, but variable. Garmin Garmin has portables that do that, and they've had them for six eight years now, maybe ten. Yeah, that yeah, do, my, that my, do, my sky map would do that. Really, horizon yeah. information. The, Oh, sure. Horizon information based on the GPS signal or based on some sort of uh, accelerometer Basically, thing? It, it, uses the, it uses the GPS signal and does some math on it and comes up really with fast. really fast, accurate, um, heading, attitude, altitude, yeah. um, rate, of, uh, uh, rate of climb, um, and... Um, the only the, the speed is ground speed. It's not, it's not airspeed. It's ground right. speed. Well, uh, that's the, the uh, only really major. I mean, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to launch with that as primary. But well, then the, uh, when the, the rest the of the airplane altitude. soils, when the rest of the airplane soils a bed, that'll get me home. The the altitude wasn't barrel corrected. That's the only other thing. Yeah, that's true. So that's you could true. be off, you could be off. You know, uh, enough to hurt yourselves on altitude if you were trying to depend on it for anything very precise. Well, but yeah, you're not going to In terms of the gross equation, you know, uh, if they're reporting 800, 1,000 over in more than three miles, that 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 stuff will get me on the ground if I need it to. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would get me close to being on the ground if I needed to. After that, I'd want to kind of you know take it over, but take it over visually. But yeah, you could. Well, yeah, that's what I you mean. You could get to, you could get to VFR with that if you knew what you were doing. Um, it's 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 a nice. Uh, other vendors have it also. I'm not just you know pimping uh, Garmin. But um, it does work, and uh, if, you, if you're thinking about uh, trying to convince the, the significant other how to, uh, you know, whether to buy a portable GPS, that's a real good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, a, we had a DG fail in IMC trying to get on a localizer only into Leesburg uh-huh. and set up the uh, default screen so that I could push a toggle on the sky map and see the DG uh, the DG readout and ground uh-huh. speed, altitude, and all that, and that's what showed, unless I touched a button or the joystick, and then it reverted to the map for twenty seconds, and then it went back to the DG, uh-huh. and it was easily good enough for me to not have to declare an emergency in IMC, coming off the hold at Martinsburg, West Virginia, blah blah blah. Uh, the pucker factor getting in on that localizer only would have been much higher. Oh, yeah. Doing it, doing it compass only. You know, hi guys, I've got a no gyro approach here, please. Can you? Uh, no, it was a no brainer. Yeah. And and be quick about it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I I don't need to hear that I just passed the inner marker sixty seconds ago, like one right. control did for me once. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it was only a check ride. We we were able to overcome. So, I know Jack. I know you've been tra- uh, uh, traveling yeah. a lot, been out of town a lot. I, I, I'm almost afraid to ask how goes the instrument ground school. Oh well, the instrument ground school wrapped up some time ago. Uh, oh okay. Yeah yeah. Okay. That, that was it was. Eight I don't weeks. I don't remember talking about that. Yeah. Did I, you take the written yet? I haven't taken the written yet. I'm sort of again. I you know I didn't take the ground school because. The time had come for me to start my instrument training. It just sort of they were giving ground school, and so I said, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to get involved in this." And you know, that's 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 good, great, great non sequitur. Have Have you scheduled taking the written yet? No, I haven't. Um, Dude, because, you want to well, do that while that stuff's fresh mud? Well, uh, and, uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this or not. I am an advanced ground instructor. I understand. Yes, and I would be really happy to spend some time with you, you know, on Skype or something like that. Um, you know, going through the exam. Yeah. When the time comes, I'm going to take you up on that for sure. That's it, not <laughs> one of those things where taking the, the the written later when you're actually doing flight instruction, in my mind, has a big benefit if you can pass the written now. Yeah. Right. Later on, you'll say, oh, that's how that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is just a lot of memorization at this stage of the game. It's well, it's, it's not so much memorization. You do want to understand the material, but your your real objective, your first objective, uh, is to get through the exam and yeah. pass the exam. Right. 
um, the rest of it, you know, you will learn one way or the other, or you'll you'll kill yourself. It's no big deal. Well, the, I did a post somebody on the on the forums, and I'm sorry for not remembering who you were, but uh, he'd been out on a uh, recent instrument student or a recent instrument recently minted, and he'd been out on one of his early real IMC flights, and they started throwing in some changes to his flight plan that he wasn't sure he was legal to do because they were clearing him to destinations way beyond the range, the reception range of his VHF nav receiver. And it's kind of like, well, uh, they can do that. And it's legal yeah, for do that. Yeah. Wasn't uh, that, he, and, his issue was they were clearing him for things that he wasn't officially equipped for. Wasn't that the issue? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly that. Uh, he had a handheld GPS. Right. He was unofficially equipped, there. but he didn't, he was like slash uniform and they wanted to do slash, they were clearing him. I remember, slash, I remember they were this, clearing yeah, him like he was point. slash golf and went through the same experience uh, myself like a week after, eight days after getting my instrument ticket. And it really threw a curve at me. Because we were IMC for something like 350 miles, uh, and well, I, I've had that. He kept throwing also. these changes at me that were yeah. way outside my reception range, and I kept trying to recalculate stuff. And uh, it was like, well, but it's legal to use the area nav that's in there, even if it's not the IFR approved, because they're going to have you on radar. And as long as they're confident that you are smart enough to use the box to find your way to point B. They will clear you directly past B, C, and D to a new point B. And boom, well, off you go. E- even before um, GPS and, and uh, just as Lorraine was starting to come into use, you could always, you know, get, um, you know, a clear direct at the correct altitude. And uh, once you got out of the major areas here on the East yeah. Coast. Um, and... I got that clearance one day, and, I, and I'm flying just uh, uh, you know two VORs, and I say, yeah. So how am I supposed to navigate there? He says, present heading, and uh, when you're in range, pick it up. Um, okay, fine. I'm on my way, and yeah. that was that was well before I was flying any kind of, of long range nav system, portable or otherwise. Yeah. Um, well, this this got more and more prominent with the hand advent of first Lorancy. And and then GPS, and it never came up in my instrument training that you could do this. That this was legal. We got all this focus. You can't use yeah, that we, box because it's not instrument approved. Well, back okay. when you and I got our instrument ratings, um, you know, they were, we were still dealing with um, AN ranges. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Smoke and, signals. Uh, <laughs> they were lighting fires on the top of hills. That's right. That's right. Beacons on mountains. But, they, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot to commend the, the handhelds, but there's still a whole lot more to commend the IFR-approved panel-mounted stuff because there's still a bunch of stuff that you can do that way that even the controllers can't say, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. You got a handheld? No sweat. Uh, WAS approaches, LPV, VNAV approaches, uh, non-precision GPS approaches, and... Most places I've ever flown that had a VOR or an NDB approach and a GPS approach, a GPS approach was always easier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. to lower minima. Certainly then, than a, uh, an NDB. Um, oh, man, big fre- time. Fre- yeah, frequently, um, they're, they're going lower than VOR, maybe by 100 feet or so. Yeah. Uh, you know, as long as, as long as the VOR is not out, you know, 50 miles away or something like that, you get pretty good accuracy um, uh, with the VOR close in. Um, about 27 it, you know, miles. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it, about it right. It gets a little squishy. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking even closer in than that, though. Maybe with yeah. VOR on the field or something. But uh, oh, VOR uh, on the field. Yeah. Uh, even then, you know, GPS these days probably will beat that. Uh, well, the the VOR the alpha into into Augusta, Kansas, depended on the Wichita, the ICT VOR, yeah, which was about 27 miles away. Mm-hmm. But and, it's flat flat land there too. Actually, there's a high point in between the two. How dare they? <laughs> about 400 feet. It's about a 400-foot difference. 
That's the highest uh, point the, in all of Kansas, too, right? That's, no, not that's the summit right there. No, that, that's Mount Sunflower. Uh, that's farther Mount west. Sun, Mount Sunflower? Mount Sunflower? <laughs> <laughs> you get, I, you'd get to the intersection that started the, you know, the approach where you do the slam dunk. You know, you come out of the uh, approach altitude down to the decision height where you're looking for a runway and hoping it's there. And, Mount Sunflower? Uh, that that needle that needle could be off just enough that if one end of the runway was obscured and the other one wasn't, you could miss it. Okay, I'm still hung up on the mountain. We're reaching the end of our allotted time here. <laughs> well, there's Mount Sunflower, and then there's Coronado Heights. Coronado, now, Coronado Heights. Heights. Now that, that that's. A uh, more better name for a promontory somewhere in the state of Kansas. It's actually, yeah, a peak, and it's where the Spanish explorer, Coronado, got up to the top of the hill, took a look around, and went, holy crap, this place is flat. <laughs> and people still go up there today and get the same perception. Shout-outs. Anybody got any shout-outs before we wrap this thing up? Fewer of them go up nowadays than used to. That's that's all I'm <laughs> Sure. Um, shout outs. Um, bum, 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 bum. Rick Rick yeah. Perry. Yeah. Um, uh, old uh, friend of uh, well, Dave's and mine too. I don't know, Jack, if you know Rick or not. Rick is the Washington representative for the uh, uh, for AEA, the uh, American was it Aviation Electronics Association? I'm sorry. Aircraft. Uh, the Airline yeah, Electronics thank, Association. No, no, no. The Avionics <laughs> Association. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm, is it Jack, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, but Rick, Rick's uh, um, uh, been on the on the YouTube lately, uh, doing some things for AEA, and um, uh, saying some advocating in favor of business aviation. Just some good industry based stuff. It's good to see Rick on uh, getting out there, and uh, 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 just a tip of the hat to Rick Perry. That's great. That's great. I want. To, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but we've been talking about it a little bit off and on on the forums. We're we're tentatively planning to have a uh, UCAP fly-in drive-in lunch uh, on June twenty seventh. That's a Saturday at ah. uh, Barnes Airport uh, in I believe it's Westfield, Massachusetts. Oh man, that's the other end of the continent from me. The uh, the code I believe is B, uh, B uh, Bravo Alpha Foxtrot B A F. Uh, Bam. Bravo. Alpha Foxtrot. Yeah. Oh, Baff. 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 So if anyone's interested in that, uh, you might want to check out the forums. Uh, as we get closer to it, uh, we'll put a notice on the front, on the homepage of the website as well. Um, we're going to do it. Uh, uh, we were originally talking about doing a breakfast, but apparently they get uh, they get local conditions. Or they have a tendency to get fog in the morning sometimes. Uh, so rather than getting people jammed up like that, we're going to do it at lunch and sort of gather around the okay, or BAF. Like BAF is in BAF, Bravo, as in Bravo, Alpha, Bravo Alpha Foxtrot. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so anyways, that's June 27th is the tentative date. Don't just arrive there. Make sure you check the forums. Gee, or, uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. What's the matter? So it's exactly a thousand, almost exactly a thousand nautical miles. From where you are? From where I am to Barnes Municipal Airport. There you go. No problem. What's no problem. You can do that. He can do that nonstop. To I could do that now with any kind of a tailwind. I could easily do that nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Hundred hundred and four gallons. The problem and I'm is, not talking about his. I'm not talking about his fuel capacity. I'm talking that's about right. his that's, talking <laughs> that's about the right. ladder. That's right. Yeah. Uh, don't forget the Ragwing fl- Ring Fly-In. Anybody who listens to this podcast right away, the Ragwing Fly-In is on Saturday morning. The uh, whatever this Saturday morning is. Let's see. It's the uh, the twenty. Uh, 20- Third, yeah, the twenty third of uh, of May uh, oh, at uh, Sanford Regional Airport in Sanford, Maine, at uh, Southern Maine Aviation. Well, Other I got a real, real quick and dirty on my part. Uh, actually, heard some good news out of the Beltway today. Yeah, uh, the Senate, uh, the uh, Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee unanimously approved Randy Babbitt's nomination. As the next administrator of the FAA, I was wondering and now they moves to, to the full today. Senate. That's terrific. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Uh, I expect it will get through the the full Senate. I'm hoping it gets 
through them before they go home to stroke themselves for the holidays uh, because I know how enticing going home and stroking themselves can be for the okay. holidays. Move on. Move on. <laughs> well, it always means, it always means one thing. Yeah. Big, gushers, big gushers of money. At any rate, uh, Randy's uh, former uh, airline pilot, former GA pilot, uh, consultant. Uh, he uh, ran the Airline Pilots Association for a while. Uh, he's done work with the FAA in the past and uh, has fairly good knowledge, background, and lay of the land. He's not <laughs> he, He's aware of what he's getting into and is doing it anyway. Yeah. Is he a so, current GA pilot? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Good, good. That's great news. Uh, a couple more steps and we'll have that done finally. That's terrific. Yeah, and as for the user fee things, we'll be talking about that in the future. But don't anybody freak out. All we got to do is keep doing what we did in the past. Yeah, okay. Which is going to be a lot. That's all. I'm done. I've talked to you guys enough Big recently. Work. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And the horse you rode in on. So, <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later on. We'll see you. All right. Take All right, care. guys. Bye.